Welcome to Sinner's Take, another Catholic Guys podcast of which we are the worst. I am Cody. I am Eddie. And I am Mark. And today we'll be talking about the Silver Chair, another Narnia nugget. So straight up, this is probably my least favorite book. <laughs> I was going to say, before you said that, this is probably the book that everyone likes the least. Yeah. I think it gets a really bad rap. It's... Having now that we've talked about what we're going to talk about, there is a lot, plenty of good things in it. I think I also may have just been like, I wanted to get to the seventh book, so I was like, okay, let's just let's, let's hurry this up. <laughs> <seventh book>, okay, <laughs> the middle the middle story uh, of this book is admittedly not quite as gripping, I think, as it's a good story, but not for the whole like we want more Aslan. Yeah, <laughs> there's not as Aslan. much Aslan, but you know, he's maybe he's present the whole time, and they just. Don't see him. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. They don't have right. the spell to make him visible. <laughs> yeah. So right to the first time where you see Aslan in the book. <laughs> Just jump right into it. Yeah. Well, so the, it's now, it's use, Useless Usis, who is not useless anymore, and his friend from school whose name is Jill. Jill. Yeah. And they are in this, like, boarding school, and it's really bad, and everyone's mean, and so they want, and Eustace, like, basically tells her about Narnia, and it's like, man, that we should just go there. And so they try and to go there and they go and they get sent instead of to what Narnia like proper, they go to like this ridiculously tall mountain and they go to this edge and Jill, who is trying to like show off by dancing on the edge of the, of the ravine, essentially Eustace kind of like freaks out and is like, no, 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 don't do that. And so he like goes to try and help her and, and he like trips and falls and falls off the cliff. Um, and she's so like, so he's died. So, <laughs> so she like is freaking out. He doesn't die. That was a he joke. doesn't die. I was waiting to go. I was about to get there. <laughs> um, and she eventually she, she sees Aslan, right? She's like, and she is so terrified of him, but she's like crazy thirsty and he's just looking at her like every, like she doesn't want to look at him and she doesn't want to speak to him cause she just is afraid of him. And he just stands there basically. And then eventually, uh, he just like says to her, are you not thirsty? Because she's dying of <laughs> thirst because she's been standing there for so long, trying not to make eye contact with, with Aslan. She says, I'm dying of thirst. And he says, then drink. And she says, uh, may I, could I, would you mind going away while I do? Because she's like terrified of it. She's afraid that he's going to eat her when she like bends down to get a drink. And the lion, it says, the lion answered this only with a look and a very low growl. And as Jill gazed at its motionless bulk, she realized that it might as well have asked the whole mountain to move aside for her convenience. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's so, it's like so funny, but so, so good. And she realizes it and she says, uh, will you promise not to do anything to me if I do come? And he says, I make no promise. And it, she just asked, do you eat girls? And he says, I have swallowed up girls and boys and women and men and kings and emperors, cities and realms, said the lion. And he said he did not say it as if he were boasting or if, they were, or if he was sorry that he did it, nor if he were angry. He just said it. And he, she says, I daren't come and drink. And he says, then you will die of thirst. <laughs> and she says, oh, dear, I should go looking for another stream. And he says, there is no other stream. And you could tell that this girl is he like that's kind of a thing with Jill throughout this entire story is he just cuts. And I like Aslan's approach to everybody differently. Like his approach to Peter is different because of the task that Peter personality peter has and the task that he has been appointed to the approach to edmund is different the approach to lucy is different and jill has her own approach as well where he's like he cuts right to the heart because that's the way our lord your faith life with him your contemplative life like as you make this journey is so tailored to you and he's just i'm the answer 
take it or leave it. Like you will die without it. Um, I know you're afraid, but you got to come. And I think it was, it's a very unique perspective and we haven't really seen it yet in the book, but I think it, I, th- I thought it was really good. And basically then he sends her on her quest and he says, Oh, because she, she basically says that he's like, he asked, where's the boy that you came here with? And she said, he fell off the cliff and, she, and he's like, how did that happen? And she goes to maybe try and deny it that, but then she's, uh, it was because I was showing off and he was trying to help me. And he says, and then at that point, his, his entire like approach to her changes. It says like, this is the first time that he was not looking at her sternly anymore. And he says like, that's a good answer. And now we need to go do your task. And he like basically just lets out a big breath and blows her off the mountain in Zanarnia. <laughs> and that's what happened. That's what he did with the other, uh, with, the, with Eustace as well. And then, so just before she gets blown to Narnia, <laughs> essentially, by Aslan's breath, um, she's confused at why um, she's there. Um, because Aslan said he called them there, but she was like, uh, we didn't, we were the ones doing it. Because um, they did this little, I don't know, little dance to get there. And Aslan says, you would not have called to me unless I had been calling to you. Yeah. Very true. Spiritual, outside of this book spiritual life dude. yeah um and so pretty good moment and then uh he goes on to tell her these tasks that these four tasks that she needs to remember and needs to do once she gets to narnia because the matter is very pressing um the king is dying and his son was stolen and so if the king dies there will be no heir to the throne and narnia will descend into chaos so they need to go and find the king uh the king's son as soon as they can and time is pressing because so much time was lost because she was showing off, caused Eustace to fall. Eustace knew who Aslan was, so he would have like went right to him and be like, what are we here for? And so then Eustace wasn't there, and so she was afraid of Aslan and just didn't approach him. So he's like, it's like it's a pressing matter because you didn't do what you were supposed to do in the first place. Yeah. And so there, there's four tasks. The first task is... Uh, that when they get to Narnia, they have to go and see and talk to the first person they recognize, like an old friend. Uh, the second task is that they have to go north of Narnia to the city of the ancient giants. Um, the third one is that once you find the city, you'll find a stone there that tells you what to do next. And then the fourth one is that you will know the lost prince um, that he will be the first person you have met in your travels who will ask you to do something in my name in the name of Aslan. And so these are her instructions. He makes them, makes her repeat them like over and over and over again till she can't get them wrong. And then he sends her on uh, her way. And she does all of them perfectly and it's the end of the story. <laughs> False. <laughs> she does not do all of them perfectly. She does one, two, and three incorrectly. Well, so she gets the fourth one right. And Cody will talk about that a little bit. Um, but I'll just say what after they accomplish their task and they find the prince, um, they have another encounter with Aslan. And Jill is obviously feeling very sorry about her actions because she was acting selfish. And she forgot the task at some point, so she didn't even know what she was supposed to do. And so she has this, like, come to Jesus moment with Aslan. And she wanted to say she's sorry, but she couldn't speak. And then the lion drew near towards him uh, with his eyes and bent down and touched their faces with his tongue and said, Think of that no more. I will not always be scolding. You have done the work for which I sent you into Narnia. And again, tied to the spiritual life that we mess up all the time with the, you know, so 
tasks that God gives us. And especially with like how Jill is in her relationship with Aslan, how it's very cutthroat and very direct the whole time. Um, this is like a change of heart that pretty much saying like, good job. Like you ultimately, you messed up a lot, but you ultimately did what I asked you to do that there's sort of a transformation there. Yeah. And I feel or what I felt and thought when I was reading this for the first time recently was I resonate a lot with this. Not that I've been given very clear instructions for my life because I haven't, but I feel like there have been times in my life that I have been given semi-clear instructions of grace. Uh, A particular time comes to mind where I was walking through a, it's a grocery store in Illinois. It has like a really uh, kind of, I don't know. It's like a very, I don't want to use the word auspicious wrong. I forget what that word means, but that feels like the word I should use here. I don't know uh, what it means. It's it's some title where it's like, okay, like get over yourself, right? You're not, <laughs> you're not that great uh, as a grocery store and all their prices are super <laughs> jacked up. I, again, I don't know what this place is called, but I was walking through a grocery store and uh, I, it was super weird that I was there. I had remembered something that I needed and I had kept forgetting. It was so hot it was, sauce. It was, it was hot sauce. It was really weird that I had remembered to get this thing. Hot sauce. As I was driving home. <laughs> Sup- yeah, it was, okay? I like, to, I like to have hot sauce on my breakfast. And I hadn't had any for like three days, so I really wanted it, but I kept forgetting to get it before I got home. It was the spiritual hunger that it was. You. <laughs> it was late at night, so it was weird that I was like would have thought of it because I was should have been single-minded on getting home. Anyways, I was out of my way getting hot sauce from a grocery store whose name I don't remember, and I was passing. I could not find the aisle that it was in, and I finally found it. I was walking towards the hot sauce, and there was this girl walking down the aisle on the other side who looked like visibly distressed, like almost in tears. And there was just something in me that said, just ask her if she's okay. You don't have to do anything. Like literally just ask her if she's okay. And I didn't. And she walked past me. And I paused and felt very strongly that I should run back and just make sure she was, ask her if she was okay. I didn't have to like say anything else, do anything else. I just had to ask if she was okay. And I didn't. I grabbed the hot sauce and I checked out. I went home and for like a week afterwards, I just, I could not let it go. I was, I just kept thinking like, why did I not ask her if she was all right? what would that have cost me to do? And I feel like there have been other times like that in my life where there have been these clear moments of, of grace that I have kind of just ignored like Jill does in the book. But the hope is, and you know, I think maybe a point that he is trying that CS Lewis is trying to make in this book is uh, maybe that was just for me, right? Like it was a smaller task because ultimately the ones that the, the task that Jill is assigned to do that she skips over would have made the journey easier, but aren't critical to the mission success or the success of the mission. Uh, but the last one is the last one is critical. If, if she messes this one up, the way, cause again, the way it's set up in the book is it's very complex, but they're led to believe that the prince is not the prince and that he's deranged. And for a certain hour, he's going to be deranged. And so this hour comes and they sneak back into the room to see what he's like when he's deranged. And, and Aslan, the last thing was whoever, whatever, whoever asks you to do something in my name is the prince. And in his, what is supposed to be hysteria and delusion, he asked them to do something in the name of Aslan. And 
I think because she had failed the first three and knew that this was the last one, it was the one she had to get right, she gets it right. And so I don't know if if you listening or me in these moments of failure, if it is for the purpose of getting the most critical one correct and that we would have better eyes to see it because of the failure, right? Because of all these failures that have stacked up in the past. Uh, so that, I mean, that's my hope, at least. Uh, it calls to mind, which we've talked about many times on this podcast, Romans 8, chapter, Romans chapter 8, verse 28, the, for God uses all things for good for those who love him, where even if it is a mistake, God is still working tirelessly to still bring it back around to that end goal. And then oftentimes making, if not always, making it better in the end. You know, that's that's how powerful he is, is he takes our mistakes and makes them better. So yeah, don't don't give up, right? But also, you know, that's not an excuse to be not courageous in moments like that. But at the same time, know that God is working. And if you're striving to love him, he will not leave your side. So anyways, after the fourth sign, they find, you know, they release him. They find out that he is Prince Rillian. And the witch figures this out. The witch who cast a spell on him to, um, which I think it is Jadis, I think. Is it not? I don't think so. Oh, maybe it isn't. Jadis Regardless. Is oh, that's right. <laughs> she gets eaten. Lion bites her, fa- <laughs> bites Aslan, her face off. <laughs> Aslan bites her face off, not lion bites her face off. Anyways, they find out it's the crown prince. They release him and people start freaking out. And they know they have to, they're underground deep in this cave and they need to get out. They're kind of freaking out like, oh man, we're, we're toasted. Like there's no way we're getting out of this. And Prince Rillian, uh, the prince who was taken, says, friends, when once a man is launched on such an adventure as this, he must bid farewell to hopes and fears. Otherwise, death or deliverance will both come too late to save his honor and his reason. Which I love. Uh, that if you let fear grip you, either in the spiritual life or just in life in general, but if fear becomes such a part of your life, you're going to give up your reason and do something stupid, which ultimately will affect like your like your name. Right? You're going to look like a fool because you didn't you didn't act courageously uh in these times where courage is needed uh i just love that line for this again for the spiritual life in general um but for life in general too that fear can't play that large of a role in your decision making yeah so they get out uh mission accomplished they bring him back to narnia all's well and good they get, I think they get swept back up in a wind and brought back over to uh, Aslan's country. Uh, and, but they, right before they leave, King Caspian dies. And they can hear like the funeral dirge the whole time they're on this wind back to Aslan's country. And they can hear it even once they make it. Uh, and they see, but they find, they make it, they hear the music and they see Aslan. And he seems kind of somber, but he is also very beautiful in it. And so Jill feels tears welling up in her eyes and she doesn't know whether it's because of Aslan's beauty or because of the of the sound of the music. Well they walk over to the creek and they look down and they sing they see King Caspian dead in the creek. Like he's been transported there as well. And they all start crying, even Aslan, and they look up and they see this giant tear on Aslan's face and it says all of the earth would not have been so precious if if it was a diamond. 
So he's weeping over the death of Caspian, even even though he knows the rest of the story. Like the death still saddens him, and he looks at Eustace and says, "Go and get a thorn out of that bush over there." And so Eustace does, and he brings back a thorn that's like a foot long and sharp as a sword. And Aslan says, "Drive it into my paw." And Eustace is kind of like, "Well, do I have to? Like, I really don't want to." And Aslan says, "Yes, you do." And so a long needle gets driven into the paw of Aslan. And where are you going with this? Bl- <laughs> <laughs> Blood comes out of his paw and it says it's redder and redder than any red you've ever imagined. And it drops into the into the creek and kind of washes over King Caspian. And then Caspian starts to age backwards and become a much younger man, but uh it says throughout the book that you can't really tell people's ages in Aslan's country, like they're ageless. So you can't really tell whether he's like a super young boy or whether he's a grown adult. Uh, he's kind of, uh, maybe you'd call it a glorified body. I don't know. Uh, and, <laughs> I don't know where you got that idea. From. <laughs> and uh, this is this is the part that just ruins me, is he leaps up and stood before them, a very young man or a boy. But again, Jill couldn't say which because people have no particular ages in Aslan's country. And he rushed to Aslan and flung his arms as far as they would go around the huge neck. And he gave Aslan the strong kisses of a king. And Aslan gave him the wild kisses of a lion. (laughs) I I want those wild kisses so bad. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) I just want it so bad, you know? <laughs> I want to know what that's like. Like like I've talked about before, I want to hear the wild voice say my name and speak to me. And I want to I want to feel the wild kisses. I want to know this wildness and like be swept up in it so bad. Um, and then to go off that, there's another uh, line pretty shortly after where Caspian is talking to uh, Eustace and Jill because uh, they have to go back to their world. And... Caspian's talking to Aslan. He says, Sir, I've always wanted to have just one glimpse of their world. Is that wrong? And Aslan says, You cannot want wrong things anymore now that you have died, my son. And then he says, You'll see their world. And he's, he, he uh, joins them to take them back to Earth. And that, the same thing like for Cody, like you can't want wrong anymore after Caspian has been renewed by Aslan's blood, essentially he is in this glorified body and there is no more inclination to sin. He can only want goodness and he can only want Aslan. Just like when we're in heaven. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Imagine that. Yeah. (laughs) That you would never have to check yourself for desire again. You would, you would never have to be suspicious of yourself ever again because you'd always want the right thing. Total goodness. Yeah. So heaven, go there. (laughs) <laughs> and stay tuned. We are we'll, talking we'll see about, you there. We'll see you yeah, there. We'll see you there, hopefully. <laughs> We're talking about the last battle next, and it is it's a doozy. There's <laughs> a lot going on there. Lots of good stuff. So check back later. Bye bye. <laughs> <laughs>